Pastors Heart and Dominic Steele here and we're live every Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock talking Christian ministry with a senior Australian Christian leader. Uh, how we can better seek the lost and build up the saints and our guest today, the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney, Dr Glenn Davies. And uh, on a super busy day, he's found time for us. Uh, United Kingdom, Boris Johnson has ordered people to stay indoors. Sunday night, the Australian Prime Minister said churches to shut down in terms of public meetings across the country. Uh, it's likely to go on for months. Uh, Archbishop Davies, his term as the Archbishop of Sydney, was extended last night till March at a meeting. And uh, Glenn, there is so much to talk about. The greatest crisis the Christian church has faced in our lifetime and uh, the greatest opportunity the Christian church has faced in our lifetime. I, I think that's quite possibly true. We, we've had a few disasters. We've had two world wars, of course, mm. as, a, as a nation, had the Spanish flu 100 years ago. But this pandemic uh, is moving so rapidly. Uh, the contagion has spread so quickly and it has affected everybody's lives. And people who thought they were safe uh, are possibly not safe. And therefore, we want to calm the anxieties in the world in our local communities. And Christians are the best people to do that because we know that our, we have a sovereign Lord who's ruling over all things. And this is not out of his control. He's still in control. And therefore, we need to continue to express our hope and trust in him and convey that to people through our practical acts of love and care uh, that we do to our neighbours and even to our enemies. Let's just drill down on that sovereign Lord is in control. Take us to the scriptures. Where, where are you thinking that that is made clear? Well, God is the creator of the universe. The heavens and the earth are made by him. And he has a purpose for this world and for this universe, which he'll bring to conclusion at the day the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Uh, the scriptures tell us that all things work together for good for those who love him. In other words, God has a purpose and a plan for us as humans, and the purpose and plan comes to their pinnacle in the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, we know that Jesus, having broken the bonds of death, victorious over the grave, he now rules on high as the God-man, and therefore he's taken our place. He's lived the life we could not live and died the death that we deserve. And therefore, Jesus is, having conquered death, he's actually conquered Satan. Now, it's almost like a D-Day. The victory, the final victory hasn't come, but the effective victory has taken place in his resurrection. And therefore, Jesus tells us that he has all things under control and he cares and loves for his people. His sheep know his voice and his sheep can trust him. Therefore, we need to spread the news about Jesus as effectively and persuasively and as far and wide as possible so that people might come under the umbrella of his wings mm -hmm. and be saved forever. Now, for me as a local minister, I've just kind of, <laughs> I had plans, I had dreams, yeah. I had strategies. <laughs> well, and the book of James has got a word for you, hasn't that's it? That's right. <laughs> and it's all turned upside down the Absolutely, last Absolutely, yeah. I had plans for retirement until yeah, last night. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that conversation with your wife in a uh, moment. Oh, indeed. It's, it's a whole new world, true. But, um, tell us about how the last week's unravelled for you. Well, I think the difficulty has been the changing rules and guidelines from the government. Now, I'm not criticising them for that. It's because the, the spread of this virus, we've, we've seen what's happened in Europe, 
China in one, in one hand and then Italy devastating mm -hmm. uh, to, to see the way in which it was not addressed effectively at the beginning and now they're in catch-up mode. And our government clearly doesn't want us to go down the same route as Italy. Mm -hmm. If we did not have these drastic measures put in place, we would easily have gone down that route. Mm -hmm. There are still projections of hundreds of thousands of people uh, dying, not just uh, 100,000 people being infected, millions of people being infected, I've read, hundreds of thousands of people dying. Mm. So therefore, we've got to follow suit with the government and be model citizens as well as citizens of the king uh, so that we actually can be effective in our own care for people, the safety we provide, and of course still proclaiming the love of Christ in the midst of this devastating situation that we find ourselves in. Let's go back to last Wednesday and the directive that you issued for churches in the Sydney region. Um, how did that unravel over the 24 hours period? We, we found out from the Prime Minister, I think at the beginning of the week, uh, that uh, groups of more than 500 people uh, mm -hmm. would, be, would be banned. And uh, that was a, a measure, and it would just wasn't sound too draconian although I was hoping to speak to 6,000 people on Easter Day mm. in a mission, uh, but never mind. So, uh, but then it became obvious in the days that followed that this is going to affect our churches. And if in actual fact the need for uh, social distancing, uh, washing of hands and things like that, how do we project ourselves as providing a safe community in church for people who come, our members, as well as visitors? And so... I took the view uh, with my bishops, I'd established a COVID-19 task force uh, headed by Bishop Gary Koo, uh, who's a medical doctor, and we came to the view that the best way was to actually tell ministers not to have public worship on the following Sunday. Mm. That was a difficult decision. At the same time, I was having conversations with, with the bishops of New South Wales, and I was talking to them about this. And we all came to a common mind that we would do the same thing. In the more rural and remote areas like Riverina and, and Bathurst and, and Armidale, they decided to do it the following Sunday. So mm -hmm. last Sunday would be, their, would, would be their last Sunday. Newcastle, Canberra and Goulburn and Sydney, we decided we're going to cut it off there. Tasmania had done the same thing before mm -hmm. us. Uh, I, I got criticism from people, from clergy. Uh, I also got affirmation from people. This was a, it was clear what, what we were doing. There was no wriggle room. You couldn't meet publicly in church. You had to do it by live streaming, pre-recorded messages or whatever. Now, after that, of course, we then had the, the 100 rule for in, indoors mm. uh, on Friday. And then, of course, on a Sunday night, we had everyone shut down. Mm. I think it validates the decisions we made last week. Mm. I, I got a letter from uh, uh, Minister of the Crown uh, from New South, New South Wales State Government uh, thanking me for my leadership, mm -hmm. uh, not just in the diocese but in the province, which I share with the bishops, because we all share in this, it's mm. not just one person. And to have the differing churchmanship in the state of New South Wales to come to a common mind on the safety of people and a, a safe proclamation of the gospel uh, was wonderful, really, mm -hmm. and I was very glad to see us working together so well. Mm. Uh, where are we now in terms of, I mean, because the Prime Minister's announcement on Sunday night made it sound like it's going to be months. It does sound like it's going to be months. Uh, we have to bed down, as it were, for the, for the long term. This is going to be very difficult. Uh, 
it's fascinating and exciting watching a live stream mm. a video of your church. But to do it week after week, month after month. Because community and relationship is critical. Absolutely. Yeah. What I said in the video to our diocese was we need to be creative and flexible in this new stage of our community life. And therefore think of new ways of doing things or perhaps revive old ways. I've suggested to clergy in particular, bring back the telephone. <laughs> Start ringing people. And if you've got a large congregation, spread that ringing out through the home group leaders. Make sure people are not disconnected, even though they're physically isolated. We've got to find ways of perhaps letterbox dropping, saying, look, we're here to help you. How can we help you? Are you isolated? Are you unable to shop? Can we help you with shopping? Mm. A whole range of things we can do. Uh, we printed 5,000 cards yesterday well, to letterbox the suburb to say we want to do That's wonderful. That. Yeah. And that's wonderful because here the church in a time of crisis can actually stand up and be recognised for who we are as people of compassion, people of love, who care for all people, not just for our flock. That's why I said earlier, I think it's potentially the greatest opportunity for the Christian church in our lifetime in that when we look back at history, we can see... It was the plagues of those first three centuries that more, I mean, looking at Stark's, um, the rise of Christianity, yes. more than anything else contributed to Christianity going from the isolated little thing to... Um, the, uh, the growth of the church or the blood of the martyrs provides the growth mm -hmm. of the church, uh, as another historian put it. And I think that's right. And it shows the sovereignty of God, that no crisis is beyond his control, that he's he, he is doing all things at that level. You know, if evil befalls a city, has not the Lord done it, says mm -hmm. the book of Amos. I think we need to recognise that God is testing us, challenging us, and therefore we need to respond by trusting these promises and getting on with the job of being his servants in the world and communicating the love of Christ in whatever new, fresh, flexible, creative ways we can. It did feel like Western society was running from God in every way conceivable. It, it was not just a feeling, I think it was a reality, <laughs> Dominic. <laughs> and this disruptor yeah. is going to make a change to the way the whole of society thinks. We have a great opportunity to be who we are in a world which is full of fear and anxiety. We need to calm people. Christians themselves need to be calm in this, situ in this case too and look at the opportunities that, that arise. Uh, look, there'll be those who will be affected with mental illness in isolation, uh, domestic violence may rise in, in places where uh, the whole family is together all the time. Uh, conflicts, can, all those things are there, but we can bring calm and peace by the way in which we love people, care for them, and show that they are loved and cared not just by us, but by God himself. So yes, great opportunities arise. So if we think forward to 2021, um, how would you hope the Christian church, the Anglican church is remembered for how we handled this six-month season? What I think would be lovely to see that we're remembered as uh, the Anglican Church in Sydney is a loving church mm -hmm. filled with loving people and that I feel more loved because the Anglican Church is here in this diocese. I'd like to see love uh, as the demonstrative characteristic of the people of God because that's what God wants to mm -hmm. see. That's how he describes the people of God in the New Testament. And see how they love Jesus. So that, that sense in which, on 1 Corinthians, 
when an outsider comes on and they fall to their knees because they see God is among you. Mm -hmm. And God is among us, changing us, enabling us to be the people that he wants us to be. So love is the, is the best word that I'd like to see us remembered for in this time of crisis. Calm, steady, hopeful, faithful, but loving in the midst of that. I preached on John 15 on the weekend, um, uh, thinking about uh, this being a moment of pruning. That, um, and some people are going to get cut off the church. Some nominal Christians, some uh, liberal Christians. It's, they're just, some churches are not going to survive this. But some are going to end up much, much stronger with Jesus as a result of this. Yes. I think if people see Christianity as merely coming to church every Sunday just to receive the sacrament and then going home, as it were, forgetting about God through the week, and that's their only connection with church, that they will drift away. Mm. Because it's a living relationship with Jesus, of which the sacrament beautifully mm -hmm. speaks. But to have the form without the life, to have the, the, the shell without the kernel, uh, won't last. It, mm -hmm. you'll, it'll evaporate. Mm -hmm. And therefore, yes, there will be a time of pruning. It's the unfruitful branches in John 15 mm. that are cut off. Yeah. There's another image, of course, in Romans 11, where unfruitful branches which have been cut off can be grafted back in. So there's still hope, even for those who are cut off. And I think we need, need to always have that for people who are falling away from church. Uh, one of the great fears that clergy have said to me, what if people don't come back to church when this crisis is over? What if they want to watch now live streaming or an American you know, televangelist or whoever it might be or the, the greatest new preacher on the block? Well, we need to encourage people that meeting together physically is certainly God's ideal, but we're in a time of crisis, an extremity, uh, which, provides which needs uh, extreme measures to counteract it. So therefore, live streaming church, being together across the airwaves or the mm -hmm. internet, whatever it might be, is still fellowship because fellowship isn't bound just by physicality. Our fellowship is a spiritual fellowship and therefore that's what binds us together is the love of Christ and our union with Christ. Mm. Um, I was reading uh, that one of Christianity's great strengths in the early centuries was its ability to explain the epidemic in a way that the non-Christian pagan had no rationale for what uh, yes, has happened. Yes. And that's going to be one of our strong suits in this season, I think. Do you I, th I think so. I think the, the sadness of Pre President Trump describing the coronavirus as the Chinese virus. Oh. I mean, that's a terrible thing to say. Uh, apart from being racist, it's clearly blaming someone mm -hmm. or a nation for something which no one is to blame on this. No one is to blame. Uh, there might be blame upon individuals who have been careless in, in touching and spreading the virus either knowingly or unknowingly, or not, take, not using hand washing uh, sanitation uh, requirements, which we, we now mm -hmm. know we need to do, or keeping social distance, mm -hmm. uh, all those things, or isolation if you're affected. So yes, there might be some blame there. But of course, pagans, especially in the early centuries, thought this was the wrath of the gods, mm -hmm. and, and they tried to connect catastrophe with responsibility of humans. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case in God's world. Uh, yes, there is a sense in which all humans are a part and parcel of a, of a world which has fallen, a world which is full of despair, death and disease, but it doesn't mean there's a one-to-one -one correlation. Christians still get sick, mm -hmm. and that's not God's judgment as being part of living in a, in a world which is affected by sin. 
but the wonderful gospel of Jesus is that he breaks through that and provides us with a hope for a new world without death, disease or decay. One of the encouragements for me over the last 10 days has been watching the Christian leaders of our city unite and work together in, in perhaps a way I have not seen a focused care for each other mm. in, than I can remember. Do you want to comment on that? Often it's calamity that brings people together. Mm -hmm. we, we recognize what we have in common rather than emphasizing where our differences are. I, I think as Australians, we sometimes cut down tall poppies. Uh, we like to magnify our differences. And that has been an unfortunate characteristic in the Diocese of Sydney, where we, uh, we might have, I remember a speaker came and uh, one friend of mine said to me, well, we all agree with 95% of, of what he said. So what do we do? We discuss the 5% with which we disagree. <laughs> and I think rather than rejoicing what we have in common, let's, let's think of how we can work together and move together. And this crisis thus far has demonstrated that, uh, certainly across the seven dioceses, the Anglican Church in New South Wales, the leaders in the, in the diocese of Sydney, in the city of Sydney, as well across denominations. That's a wonderful blessing. That itself is a blessing of God in the midst of this calamity. Now, um, little nuts and bolts issues. Sure. The Prime Minister's announcement, he just said shut down churches. Yes. Now, public meetings, I'm taking it, that you've, you've read that as. Yeah. Correct. We have a slight different difficulty in our government in Australia because we have a federal government who has given guidelines and directions and he's very wisely brought a national cabinet together for the first time. A very clever thing to do to bring both sides of politics across the states and territories together. But every direction or recommendation or guideline the Prime Minister gives requires the state or territory to, it, to put it into action. Mm -hmm. So a public health order was released on Monday morning, shutting down pubs, uh, casinos, public, places of public worship. And we've read that. Uh, sometimes the government is, isn't as good with their language mm -hmm. in terms of, as an exegete, I've, it's very difficult <laughs> to know what they really mean to say because what they've actually said is not quite as clear. Um, and uh, so therefore, but we've taken the view, much better to err on the side of caution in all these things. Let, let us be on the vanguard of safety rather than behind the line thinking, oh, we're trying to protect ourselves or looking for loopholes in the law. That's not the Christian way. We, well, we want to be even up if you, front. It seems like even if you could find a loophole today, the trajectory of Great Britain, where Boris Johnson said, stay in your homes. Oh, and it, people gather no more than two or three. Yeah, so uh, you may be able to get away with it today with a loophole, but in th we're going to have no. to change the situation again. We so. need to be, as Christians, um, helping lead society in this, so showing that it can be done. Mm. And so therefore, uh, people staying at home. So, in our church offices, nearly all the staff are working from home remotely, wherever possible. Mm -hmm. Only occasionally coming in where it's necessary to do that. And so my bishops are doing that and, and I'm doing that as well as our office staff. And, and, and it's working. I've had, I had a Zoom meeting this morning uh, with a senior staff member and I've had a number of Zoom meetings in order to use technology so we can continue to make decisions. Even standing committee last night, uh, we had about 17 people uh, on electronically coming in on, on a Zoom uh, and the rest of us were physically at social distance measures mm -hmm. uh, in, in, the, in a large room. So that was good. But I think we need to, therefore, we've got to, but we've got to think of how we care for people in this now remote relationship world. world. Yeah. 
That's the thing. And that's why I think the telephones can be helpful, making sure that everyone is, is looked after and made contact made with. I think that small home groups now are going to be by Zoom. So my wife with her Bible study had a Zoom meeting this morning uh, because some were anxious about meeting together. They could have met together, but we've got to think if anyone's but uncertain... they're not going to be able to in three weeks' time. And they may not be able to do it in three weeks' time. So therefore, let's get into the pattern of doing this, getting used to it for as long as we need to, but making the most of it and actually thinking creatively with regard to how we fellowship with one another. And you might want to do a Zoom meeting one-to-one -one with people, mm -hmm. not just in your small groups, but think of ways of doing things. I mean, there's FaceTime, there's all kinds of Instagram and Facebook and uh, Snapchat, things all beyond but my we're ken. Gonna, we're going to have to be doing things like recognising somebody in our church is isolated and I've got to go shopping for them. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yes. Um, and that'll be see how they love. Yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, but yeah, go we've, on. we've started up um, copying Roger Fitzharding. We've, our little street, we've, we've actually letterboxed the street and created a Facebook group for the street so that we can... Wow, um, that's so, marvellous. So that we can work out if somebody's socially isolated yeah. in our street, we can shop for them. Yes, you know? that's and good. The hard thing will be people who aren't uh, have any digital awareness, if you like, or have no... Uh, no profile in uh, in Facebook or and don't even have access to the internet. They'll be the more difficult people to engage with and that'll be a physicality of like your letterbox mm -hmm. drop, uh, a phone call if you know the phone number. But I was impressed. Some of the members of our morning church who have been giving some of the elderly people lifts to church from the nursing homes um, but they now can't because the nursing homes are in lockdown. Of course. So what they've done is they've given them second-hand iPads. Oh, wonderful. And, and taught them. I taught them to how to use them use so they can make connections. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And so it's that kind of creative thinking yes. that, that we want to see. Um, are we able to be a centre of love for Annandale? Because we, we've been advertising that we want to be Annandale's centre of care. Sure. Do you know, now... Um, when the Prime Minister says shut down, does he mean you, you've got to stop caring? You've got no, to... he doesn't mean that. He means shut down public gatherings, shut down opportunities where this virus can spread. He doesn't mean shut down our identity of who we are as Christ's people in the world being salt and light and love. Uh, so therefore, we just need new avenues to show that love other than our public gatherings. We understand if Billy Graham was coming next week or Franklin Graham, whatever, well, it had to be shut down. But there are other ways mm. to proclaiming the gospel. That's why creativity and flexibility are so important to think, how do I do this in this new environment mm. that, that we find ourselves in? This is a challenging time, but we are up to the challenge. God is here and he wants to use us for his glory, even in this time of crisis. What are some of the exciting things you've seen about people working together, church leaders working together the last few days? Oh, look, I, the, the things that I've seen... Uh, I think particularly in terms of, uh, of people helping out at the digital level, mm -hmm. uh, people coming forward and, and helping. Uh, some ministers may not be as adept as, as others with, with regard to that, or sharing resources uh, along the way. I found that very helpful. I, I, what, one of the wonderful consequences that I've seen is that non-Christians, non-church-going people have been watching our live mm -hmm. streams. Now, that, what, a, what a wonderful thing. They've never come to church, probably, but now they're actually hearing the Word of God explained, seeing people sing, address their prayers to a sovereign God and say, maybe there's something in this. Maybe I should explore a bit more. And our, that's our, a wonderful outcome. Our office manager is very excited that uh, uh, she watched our live stream on Sunday morning with her mother 
in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't, isn't that good? Isn't that great? That, yeah. that is marvellous. Now, um, uh, creative ways to do Easter. You were going to speak to 5,000 in the showground in the hills. And I, I was. that's not going to be on. No, it was then reduced. I'd speak to 400 at uh, St Paul's Castle Hill and it'd be live streamed. That's now gone. Mm -hmm. uh, we can't do anything of a public character. Realising, of course, that uh, we're allowed to use churches for private gatherings, mm -hmm. uh, with, so that the cathedral, and, and you had people here, musicians, live stream, it was often open to the public, so we haven't broken any laws. Uh, weddings and funerals are, are different. We've actually suggested no more than 20 at a wedding or a funeral. Mm -hmm. The government hasn't given us that, uh, that restriction, but we thought, again, we need to be ahead of the pack here and say, how do we demonstrate our care and love for people. You can still video, a live video, a stream, a funeral or a wedding. Mm -hmm. And the same would go for a baptism. That would be a private event. Uh, that could still take place. It's the public gatherings. But even when you have a private gathering, social distancing measures must be in place. Hand washing must be in place. Care for every individual. Easter is going to be very difficult. I, um, I had a message this morning from the rector of uh, Castle Hill, John Gray, and uh, I will no doubt go there do a recording, uh, I think it'll be live, I'll preach live, it was an evangelistic sermon on Easter Day, how good is that, talking about the resurrection from Mark's Gospel, and that will be live streamed even beyond the contours of the Hills Mission, which was involving about 20 churches uh, mm -hmm. in that area, so that's a, a wonderful thing, and they've been building up to this they're probably devastated that mm. they can't have There's the climax they wanted to. But God is in control. It's going to be something different from what they planned. And who knows what the fruit of that might be. You projected some pretty scary numbers on death rates in Australia a minute ago. Can you just talk about that? Well, we've had that's a, going to change the landscape radically. We've had our first death in a, a congregation uh, in, in the north side. Uh, it has affected us as, as a church. And you've only got to see the numbers. Uh, I've forgotten over 100 numbers in the last, between 8 o'clock last night, 8 o'clock this morning. So the, uh, the chief medical officer said in a press conference this morning. And that is, it's exponential, this mm -hmm. graph. And it is scary, but I'm only, I'm only repeating what I've, I've seen medical people have said. Uh, one of my clergy said to me, he has a, a very mild-mannered uh, senior medical officer in one of our large hospitals and he said he'd never seen him agitated beforehand and he said to him you need to get ready for funerals the, the crisis will hit a peak in two weeks time right and we, my we, minister friend said well because he, he speaks so calmly and in <laughs> such measured tones he was quite alarmed and realized there's more to this than than we realize mm. Much more than we realise. We, we just heard the story out today from the United States of 35 people in a nursing home, all dead. Oh. And um, I don't think the states has been as well. They should have the equipment, but they're not as well equipped. They haven't responded as quickly as Australia has. Singapore is clearly leading the way in terms of uh, responding. And of course, we as Christians, behind the fear of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, is of course death. Mm. The reality is death is going to be there for everyone. We are in the market for understanding death. And therefore, who better to turn to than Christians who believe in a saviour who's conquered death? Mm. I had a, a, a journalist say to me, so has the virus conquered Easter, uh, defeated Easter? I said, absolutely not. 
it, it might have it might have conquered the Easter Bunny and perhaps some some chocolate um, uh, egg finding exercises for children, mm -hmm. but it hasn't conquered Easter. It hasn't conquered Jesus. Jesus has conquered death, and He's conquered the virus. Mm. And what we need to do is put our trust in Him. One of the things Stark explores in this uh, rise of Christianity is how we, the Christians' worldview so better equipped them and the survival rates amongst Christians were so much higher yeah. than the non-Christians. It's interesting, isn't it? In a, and yet they lived more dangerous lives because they went out and loved people. Exactly, yeah. Martin Luther said the same about the plague, you know, he'll, he'll keep doing and ministering to people for as long as he has breath. And I think that's true. In a pre-medical world, in terms of, you know, understanding sanitation and, and disease in, the, in those centuries, even the 16th century, uh, we're much better equipped but we can be bold for the sake of Christ and even enter into risk management to care for people, just as Christians have done with lepers mm. over the years, of course, as well. Now, a couple of Anglican kings. I yes. noticed that uh, Kigali is off, Lambeth is off. Kigali is off, Lambeth is off. I can predict the General Synod will be off, off this year yeah. as well. Um, I'm just trying to get a mechanism for making that decision. Uh, I'm in the process of doing that. But the reality is, anyone who's listening, General Synod won't be happening. Won't be happening. <laughs> so you can plan for that. It'll be deferred for a year. It'll be right. on next year. Lambeth will be on next year. Kigali will probably be on uh, next year as well. Uh, we'll wait. They're, they're deferring those decisions. We're all hoping that 2021 will be virus-free, <laughs> but we'll wait and see. Yeah. They, they, they said to get a vaccine done within, eight, within 12 months would be miraculous. Mm -hmm. So let's pray that God will bring that miracle about. Some churches are going to be really under financial pressure. They are. They are. I think this is where, if I can say to Christians watching this, just because you're not coming to church, if your normal routine is to bring your money to put it on the plate or on the box or whatever it might be, uh, then put that aside each week. Or Give it electronically to the church. A lot of churches give electronically, mm. which means you cover people when they're away on holidays, when they just forget to give, mm. rather than thinking, this is my responsibility to care for the people who teach the word of God to me. God's told me that in his word. Uh, you don't muzzle the ox when he's treading out the grain. If God doesn't care about oxen. He cares about people. And therefore, we need to continue to care for the ministers of God's word. So Christians need to keep giving. If anything, as what we've done, give above and beyond what you normally give because there may be some who can't give or, or forget to give. There will be some casualties. Mm. There are casualties in the workplace. Uh, we see the queues outside Centrelink uh, yesterday and today. We've, we've already had a guy in our church lost his job. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's going to happen. And I know there are wonderful measures of, um, of money coming from the federal government but the money isn't sufficient to pay for everybody. Mm. The, the money's going to dry up eventually. Uh, those are wonderful measures, but there will be casualties. Here again, the Christian church must be there to care for the vulnerable and for the poor and for the unemployed. That's our task. I was talking to one of the staff at Compassion um, Friday, and they brought out a young Compassion kid from one of the third world Asian countries. And... Um, uh, he was going to speak at 40 venues across Sydney the next oh, six weeks. Oh, dear. And yes. he's trapped here. Of oh. But um, the 40 venues that he was going to speak at, I mean, he said at the church he was going to speak at last weekend, they were expecting 40 kids to be sponsored. And they were anticipating, because of the loss of income of people all over the place, um, 
a whole lot of people pulling out of sponsoring kids. And yes. so just in that same word sure. that we want to say, I might be in trouble, but I've got to think, wow, kids in the third world are going to be so much worse off than any of the complexities we're facing. Our, our giving, we should still be proportionate in our giving. You don't just take off giving to church as, as the last item on your budget when, you, when there's a contraction in your budget. The, the widow's might in Jesus' parable demonstrates that. Mm. She who could not afford to give, gives a might, which is a treasure in God's eye, more than the, uh, the rich man's pile of coins, which is just nothing in, in terms of his wealth. Mm. Now, we need to encourage people to care for all around them and to particularly care for church ministers and for those who preach the word of God, teach us and feed us spiritually and care for us. Mm. Dr. Glenn Davies, thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you, Dominic. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Dr. Glenn Davies, the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney, and I will be back next week at two o'clock on Tuesday. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.